Slip scallywag. <laughs> what up? Dude, you looked like a you looked like a dang wuss this morning in those chest I mean, waders. Can you do anything good and not get uh <laughs> scrutinized by Chad? They're like <laughs> If I would have wore shorts, they would have been a little too long. And uh, what are you wearing those long shorts for? You went into the water with a man in in a pair of running shorts. He was going all the way under, and all you had to do was get waist deep, and you wore a daggone pair of chest waders. I didn't see you doing anything, so you can't (laughs) say nothing. Well, I, you know, (laughs) you should have you should have waited out there for encouragement. I was just there as a spectator. Nope. Um, Darren, by the way. Why did you ask Blake to baptize you and not me? Yeah. What, what the heck, man? I, I figure you One get up. lots. You get lots of requests. Well, um, I was saying to Christy on the way back. I said, "Blake's powerful. Blake is a man of few words, and when he speaks, it means something." And, well, you know, you and I talk a lot like you. So obviously, you are one of our more intelligent. Um, podcast <laughs> listeners, uh, because w- what people don't understand is Blake is actually the best of the whole bunch. He he's the best of the whole bunch, and people look at me uh, because what, social media and in my background and all this, and they think, oh man, Chad, he's he's the you know he's the the good one, you know, he's the top dog. That's not really true. It takes an, but I think it takes an intelligent person to see through my bull crap. And, <laughs> and here we all like, got our, we all got our own flaws. I'm just as flawed as anybody else. Um, the chest waders, by the way, were my idea. <laughs> I yeah, did. I wasn't gonna wear it. I told Chad, I said, "Oh, it's gonna be cold," and he said, "You ought to go get some waders." And I thought. I called well, him. You know, I, that is a good thought. That's a yeah. setup. I called him yesterday, I think, and I said, you know, man, if I was baptizing Darren tomorrow, I would go down to Dunham's and I would buy me a set of chest waders. <laughs> and then he showed up with the pair this morning. I wasn't going to go buy none, but I knew. I remember Dad having some. I said, do you still? Because he was going to throw them away, and he still had them. So. But they were all dilapidated, and I, I didn't get my upper legs wet, but everything else was wet. Yeah, well. Um, everybody, welcome to the 307 Podcast. Uh, Christy, what's going on this morning? Hey, this is a good day. This is a day I've been praying for for years, actually. Awesome. Yeah, this is an amen. Well, we're happy to have you guys here in the, uh, in the podcast studio. I have so many freaking questions for you guys. First of all, for you guys listening, this is Darren and Christy. Um, I've ran into you guys so many times. Do you like how I look at you through the... The, it's um, like a sniper. Gap in this <laughs> microphone arm. I do that to Blake. That's where Blake usually sits. Um, dude, I've ran into you guys multiple times. Just, uh, well, at the race, um, at the Mid-State Mile, at the Tennessee Mile, which, by the way, guys, the Tennessee Mile, uh, the race director listened to the, po- the last podcast, and they're going to post my results for you guys uh, on the Tennessee Mile, okay? So don't you worry. If you're, tro- if you're still trolling my ultra sign-up results looking for how I did at the Tennessee Mile, uh, they will be up on there. So you can calm down now. And uh, keep trolling, and, and you'll see them posted on there. But I've ran into you guys multiple times, and obviously just got little s- snippets of your, of your, uh, not life story, but I guess your current situation. And it stood out to me. 
But when we're at events, we don't get time to go in depth. We don't get time to really have in-depth conversation about why you guys are doing what you're doing, what your background is. And uh, one of my big questions is how the crap do you do marriage on on the road with three, da- three daughters, right? That's right. It's like my day-to-day marriage is a is the hardest thing I do in life. <laughs> Ask Blake. Blake called me this morning. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm arguing with Brooke about buying this set of this set of night vision. He said, you're still arguing about that? It's like, how in the world do you maintain a healthy marriage living the lifestyle you're living with three dogs? It's, it's like, wow, what a freaking accomplishment. So that's another side. But yeah, we haven't got time to sit down and, and have a conversation. That's why I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Yeah. Um, I just want to start... Uh, real quick just what your what you guys background is because i don't i don't know <clears throat> i knew were you were you born and raised in canadia um <laughs> like yes, because sir. i i hear this accent about I, you can't say about you cannot we, say we, a, we can say it <laughs> <laughs> about about no, that's not about. It's the same as you, I feel. No. So obviously you were obviously you were up there for quite a while. What yeah. what's the deal, man? What's your what's the what's the back background? Yeah, we're both born and raised in Canada. Okay. Yeah. And um we we are we live in London, Ontario, which is just about an hour from the Detroit border. So we would cross over into the States on a regular basis. Back before the borders closed down. Darren, you were? Yeah, I was a police officer oh. from 2006 to 2011. And then I made the switch. I went to the fire department from 2011. Uh, I was currently on a leave of absence. And I guess it's probably a good time to let everyone know. We, a couple weeks ago, I, I quit. Yikes. So, you can't so we are now. Send this to your mom. We are now. Know, yeah, don't let my mom know. <laughs> <laughs> but so we are now. Uh, yeah, so we're. And we are in the states uh so we left in june so we we sold our house sold everything we owned and uh, we packed up a motor home and at that time you couldn't actually you couldn't actually uh drive across the border so we flew across and had our motor home shipped and met up with it in detroit <laughs> and we started driving south what in the and world? so the funny part is is the <laughs> is running is what brought us here so we were we had felt for like two years that we wanted to take Darren, pull this mic up. Sorry adjust, about that. I'm gonna there you go, man. We, we wanna do uh we wanted to go do something different with our family and live a different lifestyle. So two years ago, before everything, we we're like, we're gonna we're gonna take a motorhome trip. We're gonna tour Canada and maybe go down to the States. And then we had booked everything to do that uh in May. And then th- things started shutting down even more and we said, All right. We had we had seen your race from last year at the mid state, you and Greg, and yeah. then I actually ran a fundraiser with Greg. Kind of uh, last November, we raised some money for Greg, and I had some emails with him. So we said, uh, I said, you know what? If I can get into this race in July, is it in June? It's June. In June. Yeah, if I can get into this race in June, uh, we're gonna scrap the Canadian Canada trip and we're gonna head south. And so I emailed, I signed up and I emailed Becca and she's like, yeah, come on down. So we're like, all right, let's, let's go to the States. Okay. And we just started heading south. Mm-hmm. Now I, I have to understand when you watched, how, how did you end up seeing 
the Mid-State Mile when Greg and I. She saw it on Instagram. I don't know if it was Jesse's or. Okay, so you guys, are, yours. you guys have seen, you guys follow Jesse. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's the there's that connection. Yeah. I was wondering where that was. Um, That's how I found you. I heard you on Rich Roll. That's oh. a buddy of mine sent me Rich Roll, and I've I've been you know a fan of Jesse for a long time. Yeah, love what he does, right? And. uh yeah, so that's how I, I that's how I got connected with kind of your story and what you're you're doing. Okay, all right. Now, when you were when you were when, when did you start running? Uh, I've been I've been running my whole life, but never competitive. Like when I was, I ran a little bit of track in high school. Nothing crazy. I ran a marathon when I was 17, and then I didn't run for like four years because I didn't train for it. And then uh, yeah, just over the years, have on and off have picked up running, and then had this thought that it wants to start running long distances right mm-hmm. and uh we don't have trails back home yeah we don't have a lot of trails a lot of asphalt running mm. so the mid-state was darren's first ever <clears throat> trail race, trail race. Yeah. are you serious yeah. man yeah, well and i just started training for it like it was like three weeks before i was like well here we go we're going to the states <laughs> let's go do it <laughs> start running. so i literally went and found hills and just walked up and down hills for three weeks <laughs> how did you how did that race go for you i think i did about nine hours Okay. So what it, not what, what I wanted. Not what I wanted, but it was uh, I was so I was so happy when it like yeah, it's legit. That those hills are legit. <laughs> you can't describe it to people. You no, really it's can't. Something. Uh-uh. It's something. Yeah. Yeah. Now what ended up what ended up taking you out of the race? It was heat. I've realized now from from the year fifty K that it was just heat. I didn't I didn't account for the heat. Yeah. And uh and I didn't get myself cooled off enough. Yep. Yep. If you guys so, go back and watch the videos from that, you'll notice every time I came in off a loop, I would put a cold towel that said. had been sitting in ice over the top of my head. Yeah. That's one of the major parts of that. The two major things at Mid-State Mile is nutrition and managing your heat and managing the heat. Well, that's I did I did a lot better at the 50k on the second lap cuz Aaron uh Dana, he made me I had a, like a a bandana on. He made me fill that thing with ice. I'm like, I'm good. He's like, no, I'm filling it with ice. And I just started passing people on the second lap and I was feeling great. Like my head was really cold, but I didn't overheat. And, uh, and I felt great finishing. Right. But it was, it was, I was like, that was, that was the problem. A hundred percent. Any of you guys going out and running that race this year, nutrition and heat management, nutrition, because it is so hot, you got to keep it light. Mm -hmm. That's why you'll see me at that race. All I do is eat fruit and drink fruit juice. That's 90 plus percent of my diet during that whole race. And it's because of the heat. Uh, I would generally prefer something heavier, um, more substantial, but it's because of the heat that I eat that way. So there's you some tips, all you runners. There's you some tips for mid-state mile. Mm -hmm. Chrissy, what do, do you run? 5k. That's what I've done so far. Okay. Yeah. Do you enjoy I, running or? Um, so I didn't start running until, what was it? Was I four, It was my 41st birthday. And I was like, I'm going to run a 5K because he was in a 100K. Hold on. Did you say 41st? Yes. <laughs> I didn't see that Sorry. coming. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a goal. That was a goal. So he was running a 100K. And uh, I was like, I'm going to run the 5K and I'm going to sneak up behind him and give him a little, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I did. I surprised him yeah. in that race. You did and awesome. I did it. Yeah. So that was the goal. I wanted to do it in under half an hour and I wanted my kids to see that. And that was my birthday weekend. So did it. That is so cool. Yes. Man. What was it like growing up in Canada? And, mm-hmm. and, and how, what was it like? I'll start with that. 
was it? It's, I have no sense of culture up there. Have you been to Canada? When I was very little. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If it opens up again, you should go. It's beautiful. Uh huh. Um, yeah. I want to go to Saskatchewan. Good. And, and where deer I was born. Hunt. Oh my gosh! Yay. For real? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we have we have uh, friends of ours who their sister in law their f- family farms like. 22,000 acres up there. Jeez. So you've got some connections. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, what, what's the culture like? How does it differ from from here? And, and do, yeah, I'll start with that because I have a thousand questions. I think the rumors of Canada is true, that everyone is kind and polite. And I think that that's why it's gotten so hard up there right now is because it's kind of like a, a bend over and take it. Kind of like whatever they say is what we'll do because it's the right thing. Yeah. So Canada has been amazing. It was an amazing place to grow up in. Great place to raise our kids. Um, I mean, probably much like here. I don't know, but it's uh, yeah, beautiful, yeah. lovely. I think culturally family. it's pretty pretty yeah. similar. Like minus like the the guns and and freedom, but like culturally it is quite quite similar. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, yeah, went to school, public school, and. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's a I mean, much our national more... anthem is God save. What is it? How's our anthem go? They're talking about changing it. Uh, glorious and free. And it's not that anymore. That's in the anthem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point, uh, I want to get a sense of, of um, the Christian community up there, faith. Uh, at what point did you guys become Christians and, and how is that, how is the culture around that up there. Does that make any sense? Uh, sense. In the South, it's a very big part of our culture, right? right. That's what we say. It's we love the the Christian faith culture down here, Mm -hmm. right? We came and we came to the race. So we had been here a week before the race, I think. And when you guys prayed before the race, we're like, what? This is amazing. And then it was at that race. We met the Codringtons, Mm -hmm. Dwayne and Don, and um, they stopped and they prayed over us for the adventure that we were on. We're like, like what a thing no one prays over people back home that just doesn't happen mm-hmm. so people say i'll pray for you and then that's where it is yeah people don't stop right. and pray for i was in costco last week two weeks ago and we met these people in the freezer section and he was wearing shoes with the canadian flag on them so we just started chatting and mm-hmm. they stopped and prayed over our family in costco like nice. what in the world so yeah there's something different here the the christian culture back home there are a lot of churches i don't think as many as here um there are a lot of churches here we've noticed. Well, there probably shouldn't be so many church church buildings here, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um a lot of people go to church, but it is a lot of you, that's it. Yeah. Were you guys were you raised in a Christian home? What is your what is in a sense your testimony? Blake likes to say, "When did you realize you needed Jesus in your life?" How how did that go? I grew up in a Christian home. Um my dad is in ministry, and so that was a full-time thing. Um, so I grew up in that culture, going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, youth groups on Wednesdays. And, I mean, I loved God, and I loved Jesus, but it was more knowledge, and it was more my personality. I just wanted to please my parents. Yeah. So, um, and it was probably, what, four years ago where I was like, mm no, this is for me now, which is really? crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, I went to Bible college. I worked in youth ministry for 12 years before we had kids. And I sometimes question, was I even saved when I was doing that? You know, I just, I had so much head knowledge, but did it make sense to me? 
was it personal? It wasn't. I, I got to hear about that moment four years ago. Yeah, I don't even know. I um, What was it? I don't know. I can't even remember if there was like a trigger moment, but I just, I think we had switched churches. Is that right? Yeah. And um, God's word just became much more real instead of being topical. Okay. I, th- I think this is what it is. We had gone to a topical church forever. So how to be a good friend. Here's a verse. Um, mm-hmm. How to be a good spouse. Here's a verse. Um, and then it was more expository preaching so just open the word and study the word and i was like man this is coming alive to me Mm. so then it became personal i was like man jesus actually loves me me i believed it for everyone else i believed that god was a healer i believed that god was a savior but i didn't make it personal i believed it for everyone else and i wanted that for everyone else i just hadn't maybe felt worthy of it for myself Mm. so man what a unique yeah story testimony (laughs) what a unique testimony wow i've never heard it personally put that way i'm sure other people have had similar experiences but i've never heard it articulated well i I would say a lot of people are probably in that position you were in right now i bet a lot of people listening to this right now may not know it but are in that same position you were in prior to the four years ago Mm -hmm. man that's powerful Mm -hmm. what about you darren yeah i grew up in a christian home i'm youngest of three and uh yeah I was kind of the wild child so I went through uh you know my high school years of you know just wanting to fit in you know I'm like you I'm a I'm a people pleaser Mm -hmm. right I want everyone to like me I want to fit in and so just kind of do what the crowd's doing right so I spent a lot of time just trying to fit in and when it's not popular to be a Christian it's like well that doesn't need to be the forefront right Mm -hmm. and uh yeah over the last few years it's really become evident just the the need in our lives and our world and our for Jesus, right? And mm-hmm. and that's the only thing that actually matters. When we look back, like when we look back and think, what was bothering us, you know, before we left eight months ago, like n- none of those things even matter anymore. Like all the things, like the, what's wrong with the house or what's wrong with the car, or what's like the dent in the car. Like, <laughs> like when you look back, it's like, oh, that can really those things can really be like, ah. Oh. And when it's like, there's only like none of those things matter, and there's only one thing that still matters, right? So. Yeah, that's one thing you can be bold in, right? Like if you are, if you really are concerned with other people, it you so many there's so many things that aren't truth that you can't like wasting your time arguing. It doesn't matter because their perspective is true to them and your perspective is true to you. But when the Bible comes up, you can boldly share that and and be confident that that is the truth, no matter how anybody sees it. What it says is the truth. And to me, that's the differentiating thing between it and how everything else goes in your life. Like, we could have a disagreement on one thing that's not related to the Bible, and it's probably true to him because his life experience and how he sees it, and that's how it is. And to me, it's different. So for me to argue that or to stand up for that, it really isn't worth my time. But when it comes to a biblical truth, I can say, no, this is what it says. And so that's, I mean... Kind of to your point there, that's that's where you can draw the line in the sand and you can really be bold in that. And stepping out how we've kind of stepped out in this journey that we've we've embarked on, uh, I don't know. I mean, you're going to have to help me remember, but we've seen like like miracle after miracle. Like we have a we have a family verse that we left with, right? Be happy, do good, right? Ecclesiastes 
three. Just three. That, that portion where it says there's a season for everything. And at mm-hmm. the end it says, you know, live your life. It is best to be happy and do good is, is kind of paraphrased. And we have that on shirts. And, and we went into this store that has a prayer room where you write prayers down. It's in Franklin. And, uh, and the Bible was open to that verse. There's a Bible in that room and it was open to that verse. And there's, there's just so many cool, I mean, we, our first three weeks here, I think we had meals at three different strangers homes that were invited from the race like just that southern hospitality just meeting meeting people and and we're firm believers like you you have to go and do things for things to happen like if you just sit at home and do nothing yeah nothing's going to change you're going to be worse off right Mm -hmm. if you if you are someone of action you're going to end up here like (laughs) what the heck yeah like why am i here like i'm from Canada. That's what I'm like, trying to figure out. How, all right? this, how, how am I here? That's why I'm I, asking all these questions. How did this happen? Right. Yeah. Like, do you have a Bible handy? Yeah. I, I don't see mine here. I just I just wanted to point something out here in just a second. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, what I love about what you just said, Darren, is just in the last few weeks, uh, what, what I've had to do is I've had to fall back on a solid foundation which is christ and the word of christ right so if you haven't noticed if you listen to this podcast you will see me and hear me stray onto some very um some very uneven ground and and some ground that's real mushy and 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 what i'm talking about is i tend to get sucked in to worldly problems which which i i think do deserve some legitimate attention okay but it cannot be the foundation of of your of your message of your life of your mission in life those things cannot become the foundation of what you are striving to achieve in life okay so the last few weeks I have had to revert or take or sidestep back onto the solid ground of uh, Christ and who he says he is and what he says about who we are and what we should be doing. Uh, I'll probably at some point step off of that solid ground again and I'll find myself frustrated and going down this freaking rabbit hole of... <laughs> every of of everything going on around me and then i find myself it's i'm spinning my wheels in this mud on this uneven ground and i'm not getting anywhere and that's what causes the frustration and it's a constant battle for me between those two and i think that's in alignment with what you just uh shared with us man and powerful powerful stuff i want to dig in real quick to um essentially the idea for this are like this trip you guys had planned what what was the what was the like spark that made you guys want to go out and travel originally up in canadia um what was the spark for that so we our kids have been in school on we've homeschooled them most of uh their school years they've been in school twice and they're in school and we took a trip to hawaii for three weeks and the island life the people the pace all that like 
like I've worked, I don't know how many jobs have I worked while I've been a firefighter. I was in, I was a real estate agent, a real estate investor. And like I was working 80, 90 hours a week, chasing money, chasing mm-hmm. all the things that, you know, we say we don't value, but we you know where you put your time. That's what you value. And, uh, and we said, what would it look like to slow down and live a different lifestyle? And so, and so we kind of embarked on this journey of, you know, taking time off of work and going uh, and selling kind of everything that we owned. We had, you know, income properties and all that stuff. And we sold everything we owned. And what would it look like to, to do something different for a season and see where that led? We know that you want an adventure and you don't know what's going to come out of that adventure. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of left that open with wh- where it ends. And, uh, and that was kind of the spark was that trip. And, and, and we literally got back February of 2019 and March, everything mm-hmm. shut down, right? March, I had started to read to Quinn, our oldest, a book. Um, I think it's called Kisses from Katie. Katie Majors, right. Major Davis, I think, is the author. So she was a young teenage girl who went off to Africa. She worked in Uganda in an orphanage. She started this orphanage. And uh, so I was reading this book to Quinn, and it was really life-changing and impacting for both of us. And so I went to Darren, and I said, look what you do when you're obedient. When God calls you to step out, look what can happen. And so I said, how would you feel about, because he was hating his job, Good job and thankful for the fire department, but not where he's using his giftings. Yeah. You know, some of them, but not, I don't believe all of what he's called to do. So I said, how would you feel about if I applied for a job to work at this orphanage in Africa? And he's like, yep, let's do it. And I was like, all right. So we applied for this job in Africa working at the orphanage and they denied us. And I was like, what the, we're amazing. (laughs) 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 And uh, it was like, our kids were too young to go take this, take the spot. But it was like, all right. I feel like this is a season where God is calling us to live with less. And I wasn't sure what that was to look like. We had just finished um, remodeling, rebuilding this home. We bought this old home. We gutted it. And it was just finishing. I was like, okay, what does less look like? And um, we had had a bunch of rental properties at the time too. And Darren started to feel like um, it was time to start selling them off. And that was like a a God thing too, because without ever intending it to be, that had become the identity you know, mm-hmm. we're the real estate, we're the rental property, we're the house flipping people. And so when he said it's time to sell them off, we started just to do that. And that was easy for him just to release that. So I knew that God was in that too. And then our house was left. I was like, and this one has to go too. So we sold our house. We kind of had a number in mind for what we wanted to get for our house. And um, we got it. And then we just uh, sold all of our furniture and everything that, uh, that fit into the RV is what we kept really except for a few boxes in Darren's parents' basement. So And she makes it sound easy, right? Like we just sold all our stuff, but like for for someone who you know, that's a lot of a lot of our memories, a lot of our like Yeah, we've been we, acquiring all that stuff for fourteen well, years. Well even we've just been the house where and, we've yeah. raised our kids and, and yeah. cheated amazing with for me I'm not sentimental, like doesn't matter. Yeah. But for you're someone who's more sentimental, it's to be able to release all that stuff and just say there's something better. But we got, like, we got to let, we can't take all this, that we can't, like, this, this will be heavy if we want to carry all this with us. We got to release all that to see what is coming. Mm-hmm. We can't take it all with us. So, mm-hmm. so I, I, I love that because what that just explained to me, there, there are people listening to this that say, wow, that sounds 
amazing. Like I would, I would also like to have less and go on an adventure and, and do people think that that sounds amazing. Right. But what I think a lot of people get hung up on is the financial aspect of it. And what I'm hearing is you guys were making good decisions, being good stewards of, of your finances, making investments for years and years and years and years, which led you to the point that you said, okay, we've built this all we've we've built up this um whatever um th all these things we've, we've been good stewards now we can take and when we when we say we want to do this we can take and go through the process of selling all this stuff off and then now we have the opportunity to go out and do something that is our dream to do it takes it takes a long time of making good decisions to get to the point that you can do what Darren and Christy are doing. Nothing nothing good or significant happens for you overnight. No. It was right. 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly right. I, I resonate so much with that. The fact that I the fact that I am sitting here having this conversation and thousands of people will listen to this uh, is a culmination of about 15 years of work that I put in beforehand, right? That's that's how I built uh, a little bit of credibility and and how I have uh, stories and experiences and and things that are valuable to pass to others. I, I just want people to understand this, okay? Um, sometimes, actually, actually, most of the time, unless you just inherit something or whatever. You're, when you see someone that you doing something that you aspire to do, you can't always see everything that went into that. As a matter of fact, most of the time you won't see everything that went into that. And understand if you have a dream or you have a mission or you have something that you want to do or some lifestyle that you want to live, it might take a decade for you to get there. And if you're not willing to, to, to work through that process, you're not, it's not going to be an option for you. Right. And that's just that's just the reality. Right. Um I wanna I understand why I guess why you guys I think I understand on a very surface level why you guys decided to make this decision. You wanted to you wanted to live with less. Um you, you felt like you were being called uh for what specifically? That so that's what my next question. Like, what is the purpose behind what you are doing? Um maybe even beyond yourself what do you see the purpose in this lifestyle in the decisions you've made you left your you left your friends you left all all the all that stuff right there's yeah. got to be some bigger purpose but that decision to sell everything initially was that to go on the trip throughout canada or what was that so that was the beginning of that you guys said we want to live with less we, you, yeah. we're selling everything and getting in this rv and going to travel Canada. That was the beginning at, of that. At that point, Darren had uh, been granted a two-year leave of absence from work. So we we're going we're to have two years without a paycheck. So yeah, okay. to sell all that stuff to release that, that's our that's our income. That's what we're living on, not our income, but yeah. And yeah. so what the, was the original drive, like the the original purpose, was it, was it for personal reasons or was there a bigger? The purpose is those three kids in the living okay. room right now. Okay. Yep. We're raising little warrior women. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it was to kind of get them out to see other things, to 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 experience different cultures and relationships and that type of thing. 
Yeah, that that would be a, a big piece. And for them to, at the end of the day, we want our kids to be best friends. I mean, they fight like cats and dogs, but we want them to be best friends. We want to be best friends. We want to get rid of the distractions, get rid of the all the screens and get out in nature. And, and that was, you know, we for the first, what, six or eight weeks we had hikes planned all the time like when we were when we were really traveling around we're picking spots and and really going out and adventuring and meeting people along the way yeah and it it was more about going on on an adventure and on a mission as a family and seeing kind of seeing what god put before us okay right seeing who who came in i mean i'll talk to anybody i'll stop anyone on the street in the grocery and talk to anyone so it's who are we going to meet and where where is this going to lead so it was more open-ended than a destination in gotcha. mind. Gotcha. Okay. Now, now go, going off of Blake's question, he just asked a minute ago, obviously things changed rapidly um, <laughs> up in Canada. And how did this impact you guys? How did it change the trajectory of this mission? Um, talk me through that that process because it ended up you guys are now down here uh i still don't understand exactly what you're doing down here which uh i, I we'll, we'll get to that in a minute but yeah. things changed rapidly what the world what how did that impact the trajectory of what you guys were doing we said we came down here for adventure and now we say we're not going home because, uh, you know, leadership is failing. Uh-huh. And so we're fighting to stay here for the current season. Okay. And and so, yeah, so, I mean, it's no secret Canada's kind of gone a little bit crazy. And we've said, like, we don't want to, we don't want to dwell on that. The, the government and the politicians are going to do what they're going to do. And we really have no control over that. Uh, but what we, what we do have control over is what we can do and the decisions we can make. So what we did while we were still, while we saw what was happening, while we still had our travel visa, is we bought a house, a fixer-upper type house in uh, Tennessee. Okay. And uh, and that has allowed us to start a business. And so we hired an immigration attorney and we've applied for a visa. And, and so all of that is pending right now. So we are in limbo with the U.S. government while we wait to see if they need more information if we can stay or if they tell us we got to leave. So we are in limbo right now. Mm -hmm. uh, sometime in the next few months, we'll hear something. Mm -hmm. And so we're heads down and trying to start a business, trying to start a couple businesses while we're here. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the day to day what we're doing now. So we are, we're kind of, we've parked the RV. We're in there until November and we kind of moved into this house. That was enough of it was done in November and we're uh, and we're heads down trying to trying to get stuff done. If you guys get ready to sell that RV, by the way, hit me up. Okay. <clears throat> I'm in the market for one. <laughs> Have been for about a year now. Mm -hmm. um, They're him, sweet. Him and Brooke would love one to travel and <laughs> do their stuff. And so they can bond. You know, you got to spend time around each other more in an yeah. RV. I got to imagine. And I'll tell you, five, good for him. Five of us in that. I mean, we had one. Argue, Emmy has was sleeping on the floor. We had a mat on the floor because it's. It really doesn't sleep five very well. So, uh -huh. yeah, it was, uh, but they're fun. I mean, it's a great way to travel. Yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely despise flying. I despise <laughs> flying. Yeah. 
I hadn't caught on to that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think about five years worth of airplane tickets would probably pay for that RV, Blake. Well, it depends on how much you're flying. You can't base it on years. Well, we're going to have to talk about this. We'll talk about this offline. So what in, um, what happened in Canada that you guys decided, well, now we're no longer going to travel Canada. We're, we're going to go down to the States. That's now, a good obviously question. Obviously, you, oh. you saw the race, and that kind of sparked you, but what turned you off from the... So we were going to Vancouver Island. That was our, We had campsites booked out on Vancouver Island, and that's where we were going. And the thing that stopped it is, so we had booked, what, three weeks worth of camping on the island, and, uh, and because of all the whatever, for some reason, they shut down all uh, recreational vehicle travel on the ferry to the island, so we couldn't get there. So we had all these sites booked, and we physically couldn't get there. They wouldn't let us on the island. So we said, well... That's kind of, we really, I mean, we haven't been out to the West Coast as a family. And at that point, too, um, Ontario's next to Manitoba, and they had police in between the two provinces. Mm-hmm. So you weren't really supposed to travel. Um, if you were from Ontario, I don't think you were allowed into Manitoba. If you're from Manitoba, you weren't allowed into Ontario. So it seemed like it was going to be impossible for us to even leave our province to travel through Canada at all. For coronavirus, was that yeah. why they were there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of unknowns as to what, what we would be able to do if we're, if we're traveling with these kids, if we get stopped and get turned around and, you know, we're trying to go on this big adventure and we're like, well, what a bummer that would be to start it off with a, like head back home and, and regroup. Right. <laughs> so we didn't want to take that risk. And we just thought and that race, literally like my best friend, Mike, we were having dinner at their house and he's like, well, why don't you see if you can go run that race? And so I was sitting on his couch. I'm like, I'll pull on my phone. I was like, ultra sign up. All right, let's see if I can get in. That's a good, that, that helps me. Thank you for asking that question, Blake, because I, I see now the process there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we took. I kept a journal. I've kept a journal the whole time, every day. So it's a it's it's interesting to look back because we have I have landmarks of when why we did certain things because it's I mean it's been a bit of a blur for us. I bet. Like yeah, yeah. Within within two and a half months, we did Tennessee, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Arkansas, Texas. Back to Tennessee, I Something think. Else, I can't remember. Yeah, it was like six weeks, and we... Louisiana. <clears throat> yeah, but back home, like, our kids hadn't been in a store in a year and a half. Because we've just chosen to not mask our kids. So, we couldn't go to the library. Wow. We couldn't go to the mall. We couldn't go to, you know, anything that you would normally do, mm-hmm. my kids hadn't done. So, when we crossed the border, Michigan was still a little bit crazy, and then we drove through to, was it Ohio? Ohio, was that next? Yeah. So, then... um we went into the first target we saw and it was like Disneyland for my kids just running around <laughs> in a store without a mask on seeing people. Yeah. It was wow. crazy. Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. So at that point, I mean, we, we said goodbye to our friends and family thinking it might just be the six months. Um, but in the back of our minds, we were thinking this could be a forever thing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my family, our friends, they can't come over. And if we go home, we can't leave again. We're locked in. Canada mm. so that's hard like we're still I'm still mourning I think Darren's still mourning uh, in his own way <laughs> but um I just like I would I would love to know that I'm going to see my parents again or my brother but I don't know I don't know and that's really hard it's really hard how are how are you guys like how do you deal with that that's a lot of anxiety that's a lot of uh could involve sadness multiple emotions I mean what are some tactics, techniques, and procedures that you apply day to day to deal with that level 
of uh, of emotion that you're feeling. I, that's a that's big, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a lot to deal with. Yeah. I mean, day to day. Yeah. How do you deal with it? I go running. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I am outward expression too. Like I I do have big sads often. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, I'm thankful we're in a season where we can FaceTime family on a regular basis. So my kids still have that relationship with their grandparents. And I've talked to my brother on the phone more since we left than I ever have, mm-hmm. you know, back home. So there has been some good in it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely really hard. I did have a good, um, I was listening to a sermon recently and they were talking about when the Israelites left Egypt out of slavery and um, they were doing their their years of wandering in the wilderness. Yep. And it's hard. And they were like, let's just go back. Let's go back to what we know. Yep. And I have felt like that often. You know, this is our season of wandering. We do feel like this is a training grounds for us being here. But it's hard. You know, sometimes I'm like, I know if we go home, we're going back to slavery in quotes, you know, but, or maybe not in quotes. <laughs> but, uh, so, it, so it seems appealing sometimes, but that's not where we're called to be. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look back. I want to go forwards. So, Wow. Mm. Mm. I mean, I told you guys after the baptism that the kind of feeling I got just from being around you, what little we talked at the Mid-State Mile was just like almost freedom or the free spirit. And I I wonder, and I, I felt this way a little bit in my own life, but does leaving all of those things you know back home, like all of even your material possessions, your family, a lot of times I know I can find comfort in knowing, even in material things, find comfort in having the house because it, it's just what's there. You know it, and, and it, it's comforting to be there. But to, re, to truly do away with all of that, even leave your family, and then you're on this mission. I mean, how much more did it allow you, it, if any, to stay like present in the moment, to accept... Because you're right, people offer, hey, you want to come eat dinner? But usually in the South, that's the end of the invitation. Usually people don't take you up on that because they don't want to take the time out or they're like, no, nah, we're going to go home. That's just what we do. But when you don't have those things, like you can enjoy the talk at the grocery store. It seems like more because it's like, this is why we're doing this. Yep. And so did you guys find freedom in getting rid of all of that and not necessarily freedom and in, in not you know leaving your family, but your family gives you some sense of comfort outside of your inner family. You know, like you guys are a new family when you got married and you still find comfort in your mom's moms and dads and not that you shouldn't, but like, did you guys experience that or, or how did it affect you getting rid of, of all of that stuff? Because I like to live with, I do not like clutter and cat loves to keep everything. She's the sentimental one. She, I'll find stuff and I'll throw it away. She'll get ticked at me because I throw things away and I'm like, it's trash, you know, but she wants to keep it. And so, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think that was, I mean, I th- one of the things that, I don't know if this answers any of that question, but one of the things that came to mind as being being an A-type provider, I don't like to ask for help. And one of the things you said what, what, about people having us one for dinner that was really hard actually to say yes to a lot of that. We consciously wanted to do that, but to accept help and to accept people's generosity, mm-hmm. it, it can be a bit uncomfortable. Like it's people you don't know. Yeah. And it's like, do they actually mean it? 
It's like, I'll come. If you're going to invite me, I'll come. <laughs> but I don't know if you actually mean it, but I'm going to show up at your doorstep. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we, I mean. The hard one for me was laundry. When people are like, come do laundry. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, because we're tracking down laundry mats for seven months, so. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think that, that they're, I mean, just what we know of their story is a representation of, uh, or of exactly what you just described. The fact that they are willing to, uh, uh, they are willing to, to take people up on, yeah. on those invitations. That's why they're here. Mm -hmm. We literally said on the podcast m months ago, if you will come, we will baptize you. And now Darren's here. He's like, Oh, well, yep. I'll take you up on that, yeah. man. And like, Nobody else freaking does that, man. They don't take the time out to come actually do something. That that's a big thing, but it in reality, it's a trip down here to get baptized and that's an adventure in itself. It's a small adventure and nobody takes the time out to do those things and that is what cuz they got too much other crap. Yeah, they got too many things going on. They got too much that they're responsible for and that is what I admire and things that I'm taking away here that you guys are doing that even challenges me. Like, man, how much crap do I got going on that I miss off other opportunities because I'm so worried about all this other stuff yep. that doesn't mean anything, you know? Right. Well, I want to say, I want to say two things. First of all, um, what you guys just described as far as what is going on in Canada is like the fact that your children hadn't been in a store in a year and a half, that's mind-boggling to me. It yeah. reminds me of how insulated I have been here in my little town in North Georgia. I've been so insulated. Uh, I've seen little snippets of the, the outside world when I travel, but uh, I've never had to actually live in it. It's never been part of my day-to-day -day life. So that was a good reminder for me. Another thing that really resonated with me is Christy as you were as you were telling your story about uh or you were you were describing the story of the Israelites and how they there were so many times that they just wanted to go back to what they knew right um you guys listen to this if you're living if you're if you are living life and in your life, if you're able to just go at it alone, if you if you don't need encouragement, if you don't need somebody every now and then to tell you, just keep going. It's worth it. Like the Israelites, they needed someone to tell them, no, we got to keep going. It's going to be worth it. If you don't need somebody to tell you that from time to time, you know what that tells me about you and your lifestyle? That tells me that you are simply living a complacent life that is within the boundaries of your comfort and your capability. Mm -hmm. That's all you're doing. You are not going to ever get better. You are not ever going to experience the fullness of life. You are not ever going to reach your maximum potential. You're not ever going to do what God created you to do and the mission that he has for you. If you don't find yourself every now and freaking then needing someone in your life to tell you, 
keep going. It's worth it. If that doesn't resonate with you, you need to change something about the way you're living. Okay? You just told me something about you. The fact that you need to look at that story in scripture for some what encouragement that tells me that you are experiencing the fullness of life. And guess what? That's uncomfortable. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. I want to make a statement right now for every Christian, every follower of Christ that's listening to this podcast. Jesus Christ will never call you to do anything that is comfortable. That is literally the worst thing that he could do. That's why he'll never do it. He'll never do it. Because guess what? He knows if he called you to do something with your life that's comfortable, he knows that you, little human, will just simply start relying on yourself and you will lose perspective of your need for him. His purpose of calling you to do something that just shakes you up to the freaking bone, that is by design. He has to do that because we are so stupid as humans. He has to do that so that we will continue to look to him and submit to him because we realize we can't do it ourselves. That is the reality of the Christian life. And I hope that wakes some of you guys up. I hope that wakes you up, comfortable person. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Love it. Do you believe that? I love it. Yep. That's a good word. Yep. We were talking on the way here, too, about that. If you're in the water and you're in an inner tube and you do nothing, you're just going to drift. The best way for our marriage to fail is to do nothing. The best way for me to have no relationship with my kids is to do nothing. The best way for, you know, whatever, for us to get fat and unhealthy is to do nothing. We got to be doers. We got to step up. And that's, I mean, our kids out there, we want our kids to rise up. They are made for this time. And so, you know, seeing Darren get baptized today, our kids, I pray, never forget that moment where he took that opportunity to be obedient and step up and do something that he felt God calling him to do. And we fail. We have to apologize to our kids all the time. But every moment is a new moment where we can try again. And by the grace of God, we're going to step up. We're not just going to float away in our tube. We're going to fight against the current to do more, to rise up. You fail Feel because you're trying. You're doing something. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, it, it, just, it just hit me so hard. This conversation hit me so hard because I'm in a place in my life right now, professionally in business, where I need someone to tell me, hey, man, keep going. Like, I need that right now, to be honest with you. Y'all don't know what's going on in the background. Mm -hmm. Y'all don't know what's going on. You don't need to freaking know. But I'm in that place right now where I need someone to come alongside me and say, hey, man, Keep going. It's going to be worth it. Uh, right? And, and the fact that that resonates with me right now tells me that I'm doing actually doing the right thing. Yeah, you are. 
so I don't know. That's why it just it just I this is one of my favorite podcasts we've ever recorded. If it's just simply because that was for me. Um I'm being selfish now. Uh can we can we do something southern real quick though? What's that? Well, because you say you need encouragement. Can we pray for you right now? Yeah, totally, brother. I would be honored. God, we lift up Brother Chad as he is in need of encouragement. He is doing uh he is doing your work. He is uh living out uh a, a faith-filled life and he is uh, he is encouraging others and in this moment when he needs encouragement we want to encourage him we want to bless him we want to love on him and we just pray if you're listening to this podcast you lift up some prayers for brother chad and that you would uh yeah everything that he gives uh leaders often lead from the front and they lead they lead alone and that can be lonely and and, and we just pray that uh that you give him what he needs and that uh if he needs someone to come alongside of him we, we just pray that uh, that you would provide that person for him. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Yes, Amen. and I received that in the name of Jesus, and I believe that. Uh, thank you, brother. Um, all right. I want to hear, I want to hear at least, there's got to be some impactful stories. You told one a little bit ago about walking into the, 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 the place and the Bible was open to mm. the, the verse, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be faith-based stories, but you guys have been traveling the country in an RV. Like, uh, are there any stories that that just come to mind that that you want to share? I mean, oh man, we've done it all. Like, we were driving, we're coming back to Tennessee. Like, we blew a tire. Like, I'm not, I'm no mechanic, but like, just those stories of like, we're trying to get back. We blew a tire, and we were everyone was tired, and we were miserable, and what was it? I think an hour and nine minutes. We're back on the road. Like some guy truck came, did the yeah. tire. They went and got coffee at target, target Starbucks, something <laughs> right back on the road. Like, yeah. What else? I don't know. We've, we've met some, let's, like, uh, let's take a break and give y'all just a second to think about this. I've got to use the restroom anyway. <laughs> okay. Right. Let's take a break then. <laughs> so you'll, you'll love this as a cop. They've changed it now. Now, now we're back recording. Now we're back recording. Oh, if okay. that's okay. okay. If you want to share, I can share. Yeah, I think you'd find this entertaining as a cop. Uh, we'd have to qualify to shoot every year, uh, but our range our range had uh, heavy lead levels, and so we didn't get to really train. So we shot for two years in a row. My training with my firearms because Canada, you can you can have handgun but you can't transport it without permission from the province so you really mm -hmm. can take it to a range and take it home all in one day but you have to fill up paperwork to do that like it's wow so in in two years we had uh i shot uh 45 rounds in two years in two years uh, 45 rounds per year so i shot 90 rounds in two years that was my training for to be a Wow, Jeez. we have a range. Like, we we have a range. We shoot uh, about two to three thousand rounds in four hours, usually in one training <laughs> session out on our range. My qualification, my training at police college was about two thousand rounds. Wow, over, over three months. Well, you know, I've all uh, that that that's it's unbelievable, isn't it? But you know, I I truly believe that here in the states 
I always say here in America, and people get mad about that because this is the United States. I understand America is a continent, uh, but all the land is mine. <laughs> I think all the land is mine. So here in America, if they ever, if they ever get our guns, that will be the master stroke. That is the master stroke. I believe it that is too. the one thing that stands between a free people and their government. So I just yeah. Do y'all have any stories? What do you got? Uh, we were just so captivated by the gun, we forgot to talk. That's oh. all good. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, I, we, uh, I was just wondering if there was like one that really stood out. No, for I you don't guys. like hundreds. We've ke- I've kept a miracle journal, and um, so there are so many stories. But like even even this week, I was having a little outward boohoo moment because we've got this house now that we're renovating, and we've got four camping chairs inside. And uh, I was like, I just I want a couch. I just want a couch to sit on. Like, is that can we buy a couch? And we don't want to buy a couch if we're not going to stay in the States because then we've got to sell all our furniture yeah. again. So as I'm having this, <laughs> I want a couch, I got uh, a phone call from someone I go to church with whose friend's neighbor was giving away a couch in two beds. And did we want them? I was like, amen, <laughs> right? So now yeah. we have this couch and now we don't have to sleep on the floor. We have a bed and our kids... <laughs> Two of our girls share, and the other, she's still on the floor. But we've got these two beds and uh, and a couch, and that's just like a gift. Like, God has just been extraordinarily kind. Even this house that we have to renovate. Can I tell this story? Yeah. <laughs> I'll try and keep it short. No, 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 even- <laughs> no. This is a podcast where we tell stories. <laughs> okay. So this house we have, we we went to look at it, and, um, and it felt like kind of confusing. We just sold all of our properties. Why are we going to go look at this house? We saw it. It's a dump. That's the style we like just to like fix up the dumps on the street. And, um, and we put in an offer and we were the lowest offer. We got the house. You know, people are like, you can't buy a house here. You can't buy a house. Like, it's just, you're competing, you're competing, competing. Yeah. Someone said, oh, I've put in 40 something offers. And I was like, well, we're going to, we're going to try. Cause we just feel like God's led us here for this season. So yeah, we put in an offer. We were told it wasn't the highest. The agent came back and said, do you want to offer more? We said, no, if this is supposed to be where we're supposed to be for this season, God's going to do it. Yeah. And we got a call a week or two later. It, you got the house. It's yours in three weeks. We're like, all right, I guess we're heading to middle Tennessee for a bit. Wow. Um, yeah. And even like that house, I think that that was like, we were talking about this on the drive here. Um, just like, again, God being really kind because houses, like I said, were kind of our identity, fixing up houses, having all these houses. And uh, it's like, why did we, like Darren sold all of his tools, everything, you know? So why did we buy this dump where we just have to rebuy tools to do what we did back home? Why are, why are we doing that? That doesn't make sense. But in the last few months as we've been renovating and the church family that we're a part of in middle Tennessee right now, um, we were talking about the story of the fishermen who were, that was their career. They were fishermen. And then Jesus called them away from that career mm-hmm. to give that back to them as their life. You are now fishers of men. Yep. We feel like for us, you know, we want people to love Jesus. You know, and so we're feeling like we're being called out of, um, we were given this house to realize that renovating houses maybe isn't what we're supposed to do as our career anymore, but it's more the renovation of souls, you know, Mm -hmm. being a part of people's lives like that. So it's being, God's calling us out of that as a career and giving it back to us as a lifestyle. 
as a life mission. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we just had to do that here to realize, nope. And, and you said even what, doesn't mean that we still can't renovate houses because we do like that transformation too. Right, yeah. Like the, like the fishermen, he called them out of fishing. It didn't, didn't mean they could no longer go and fish. In fact, they did. But that's not their career anymore. That's not what they're here to do. Yep. So, and before we left home too, someone said, I feel like you guys are called to help rebuild the nations, you know, rebuild the ruined cities. And uh, we came here and within three weeks, we had been told that four more times by different people. Man. So it's just like God is just confirming that stuff. So again, it's that stepping out and God just is extraordinarily kind mm-hmm. and he'll meet you there. What's cool to me is that you guys can see these things that happen and you see them for what they are and I a lot of times people will over sensationalize things and and they miss what God's doing in their life or the big things that happen because like the baptism for instance someone might have expected to come out of the water and the heavens to part and a dove to descend and they hear from God and this spirit comes in them and it's like it's just a bunch of rednecks on a beach yeah it, you know but that was a big deal that was a cool thing but if you over sensationalize and and have I don't want to even say high expectations because you should, but not for what it's going to feel like or what's going to happen, but to just see it for what it is and put it in context. Say, wow, that really is a big deal. You know, that you guys got that house, that someone offered you dinner. That I mean, those things are big deals when you see them for what they are, and that's, right. that's cool. Well, I also like the correlation between the natural process of something and the spiritual process of something. So you you related it back to the fishermen. Um, well, you know, even Jesus talked about the how the natural process of fishing he related it to the natural process of being a fisher of of men and and casting out your net and such as that. And so you guys. You related the, the the natural process, and by mean I, I mean like the tangible process of restoring something, a structure that is is dilapidated and broken, right? And so the process there is uh, translatable to restoring uh, a community, um, a, 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 a individual person, um, and and the fact that you have an understanding of how to do that. How you have an understanding of that process in the natural world will make you better uh, and more efficient at doing it in the in the spiritual uh, realm. You see what I'm saying? That's why Jesus spoke in metaphors, and that's yeah. why I relate everything to metaphors. I make a metaphor for everything for me to understand it because you can't understand the supernatural, but only through the natural, because that's how we work, and right. that's why Jesus taught the fishermen. You know, if y'all have watched The Chosen, I may have told the story on here, but where he says, uh, he's talking about, you see how you get all the fish in, and then you sort them, and you throw the good ones back out, or, you know, you keep the good ones, you throw the bad ones out. He said, that's the same thing. I want you to cast your net and catch as many fish as you can. I'll sort them later. You just bring all the fish in. I'll mm-hmm. sort them later. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way we can understand it is through the, through the natural. And so... That's a really cool correlation. Yeah, that you... and, and and within the body of Christ, everyone has uh, has a a specialized role, right? My role is not restoration. My role is not the restoration of of communities, of of nations, of even individual people. 
Um, I don't understand the process of restoration uh, on the level that you guys understand it because you've you've tangibly done it in the natural world. So I think that's in mm-hmm. that's really important. Yeah, um, dude. I, dude, I want some freaking marriage advice. I want some marriage advice, all right? Because I, I covet um, just the, the, the peace that you guys, uh, the peace that emanates from you guys as a husband and wife. Well, listen, she wasn't going to sit in on the podcast, and I thought it might have just been because she wanted to be with the kids or something, and... She was in there. She was like, well, what if I say the wrong thing? I said, well, if that's it, come in there. And she said, all right, we're a team. I'm going to come in there and do it. I was actually going to make this entire podcast about marriage, but (laughs) (laughs) just just for me. But like, what are, how long have you guys been married? 14. 14? Okay. 14 years. Um, You guys listening obviously know uh, now the the lifestyle that Christy and Darren are living, um, you guys know this. What they've had a little snippet of what they've had to endure. We can't see the day to day, but it gives you some understanding. And like, what are some of your core principles? What are some things that have helped you guys um, as as a as a couple? Um, to, to maintain your relation a healthy relationship to to uh, pour into your children I mean all the aspects of what you have to do um, there's got to be like some some core principles or some things that you guys do that I, I want to hear about one of the things that uh, I mean and everything's in flow and in season right like when we say things that we've done there they can be seasonal and they don't all we're not perfect. We don't hit these things, but one of the things that we were doing, we've actually haven't done it for a bit, but uh, we end the you end the night saying, "What's the best thing that happened to you today? What's the worst thing that happened to you today?" And you just get a glimpse into like, "Oh, I didn't know that 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 happened," or like the worst thing that happened to you is like when you said this to me. That was that was a stupid thing to say, or whatever, right? Like, yeah. but you get you get a glimpse into a, a little bit of how they're feeling without saying, "How are you feeling?" Like. Mm-hmm. As a as a man, you don't necessarily want to say like this is how I'm feeling, but you can say like, oh, this is the this is the best thing. This was something really exciting that, and you just get to share a bit of your day, and it takes five minutes, and that can lead into lots of other great conversations and great great things that are kind of going on, and just get to get to know on a on on a continual level, like because we're all growing all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not who I was a year ago, so yeah. that's one thing that was is helpful. We haven't yeah. done it in, in a minute, but. You're right. Marriage is hard. I don't, hard. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's that hard. <laughs> it depends on who you're married I guess to. So. <laughs> but you know what? I had no one say that to me before we got married. I had no one say that marriage is work. And my parents, I've never seen them fight. And I'm sure they've, they have, or I'm sure they've had disagreements, but they always did it behind closed doors. And there's some good to that too, but I also sort of wish that I had seen it to see how it was resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I got married thinking it was going to be good. And it was like a weekend. I was like, how do I get out? <laughs> so, um, and, uh, what was I going to say about that? Hard, hard. You're on your own. Oh shoot. It was really good. <laughs> I promise. It was a really good point. Well, oh, um, I had someone say to me, um, you know, you're a sinner and he's a sinner. What makes you think that two sinners coming together is going to make one big, beautiful, happily ever after? And I was like, mm. eh, yeah, 
I, I hadn't gone into marriage with that thought. So that has, that's been a good thought. I can't expect perfection from him. I can't expect him to be my savior because he disappoints me sometimes and I disappoint him sometimes. Wow. Um, we fight like even a few days ago, we were just like not talking. And I was, my favorite time to talk is at bedtime. Mm-hmm. And he's like got the spiritual gift of sleeping. So like <laughs> soon as the head hits the pillow, it's out. So it's like, okay, nice talking to you. Oh. You know, so it's just oh, like, man. I just can't let that bitterness rest. And the, and the thing we say to each other too is, um, you just, you have to choose to not be offended. So it's, that's a choice that we have to make because I could be offended on a regular basis by the things he says or does and vice versa. Maybe not. No, (laughs) I'm sure. So yeah, that's a choice that we make. Um, like we, the idea of having a date night once a week, that's great. You know, but we haven't had a date in eight and a half months. You know, it's just us and the kids at all times. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we've homeschooled always. So our kids are just like always with us. So to get that time together, it's, that doesn't really happen, but it's, it's just communication. It's doing life together. And it's also doing stuff together. Like when we go for hikes together, that just builds our intimacy together. Cause we're doing stuff. We're yep. growing together. So there's that. Any other wisdom? Well, I want to, I want to at least point out, um, your daughters are absolutely amazing. They are. Uh, they are they so are. just physically beautiful spirit. Like, emotionally uh spiritually they just uh they're on a whole they're they're on a different level uh than and and the the reason i point that out is because that is the biggest testimony i think or the biggest representation of who you guys are um you know that immediately tells me something about you guys and i want to go back to when you, Christy, when you talked about how when you were a child, your parents kept the 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 pro, the, the, the the challenges they were facing kind of separate, right? right. Well, you don't have that luxury. Right. Have you have you been intentional about allowing the girls to see the struggles that you guys face, or or is how has that how has that been? I don't even think it has to be intentional. They, they just yeah, I think it. just by I think <laughs> yeah. just by proximity, right? Yeah. By proximity, that there's no like in that RV. I yep. mean, you've been I mean, you've been looked at them. There's yeah, there's not even, there's no door, right? There's a door to the bathroom, like, and two people can't fight in that bathroom. It's too small, so <laughs> right. So yeah, it's just by proximity. They've how do they react that. to that? I mean, we I mean, neither of us are like yellers or screamers. Like, I can't, yeah, but they can sense the tension. They've got to sure. be able to sense the tension. Our middle, our middle, and our young, our maybe Emmy the most can really sense. Like she's a, she knows, right? She'll come and she'll say, you know, I love you, Daddy. When she knows you're upset, right? She just wants to cheer people up. So that I mean, they they can sense it, and yeah, they're. I don't know what would you say. We've just also chosen divorce is not on the table, right? Yeah. Sometimes it goes like, and then you have to like, nope, rebuke that because that's yeah. just that's not even an option for us. <clears throat> and so our kids know that. And our kids, they see us be aff- be affectionate with each other. You know, they see us hug. They see us kiss in the kitchen. They see us dance. And they're like, stop, stop, you know. Um, but we make sure, like, that is an intentional choice, right, for them to see that in us, that we love each other, that wow. we're committed to each other. So so there's that. Um, Do you see them resolving conflict in their own lives similar to the way they see you guys resolve conflict? Yeah, they do, totally. 
Yeah. They they probably punch each other a little more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, some kids are um, our kids are all different. We've got super strong child and then we've got a child who's just I just want to please, you know. And mm-hmm. so we're encouraging her to use her voice too cuz I feel that cuz that was me. I just want to please, just want to please. So don't want to lose I don't want her to lose her identity in trying to please us. Mm-hmm. Or trying to like Yeah. um bow out of the fight, you know. You win. Uh, even if she's wrong, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's a tough balance to walk in raising kids. Like when I mean, our kids are totally opposite too. Blakely, the oldest, she's like strong. She wants to do things herself, and Josie is more reserved. Like Chad and them came and got them the other day, and Josie just wanted to stay with us, and Blakely was all about going. Now there's a you know two and a half years age difference, mm-hmm. but but that's just how Josie is. She's the other day she was in the getting into the pantry. And she was getting an Oreo out of there, and I said, Josie, did Mommy say you could have that? And she said, yeah. And come to find out, she she didn't say yes or no, but she. the point is that Josie lied. And I was saying, you know that's wrong. You And I was raising my voice. I was calm, but I was stern with her, and her eyes started watering. And Blakely would have just gotten mad at me and wanted to argue with me. And so mm-hmm. to see those two things and to try to develop them in their spiritual gifting is yeah. tough i mean for me and cat that's been tough for us to totally figure out and not get mad about one thing that they do and figure man marriage is hard and yeah. parenting is parenting hard. Parenting is hard yeah, and we've and hard. and we've realized that like growing up i'm me and all my siblings were really different and i saw my parents did an amazing job but being the the youngest wild one i always thought it was unfair how they parented but now I see you. Ju- you just have to parent your kids differently, yeah. right? Like, what works for like you can look at Josie and you can make her like she's like, okay, I know I was wrong. I just got you got. I gotta yeah. look from dad, and I'm good, right? Yeah. Whereas Blakely's like, no, she needs a little bit more to yeah to, to be rebuked, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I asked you guys a question: Do you see them resolving conflict? Because we also, I maybe it's not intentional that we argue and are are have whatever you want to call it fights or whatever in front of the kids but to me when something happens i just want to deal with it then like i don't want to wait and talk about this in two hours when the kids aren't around i just want to deal with it then and so they see us argue all the time facing your challenges they see you facing challenges. yeah there you go that's a very positive way to put it (laughs) but they watch us and you know Neither one of them really care anymore. They they'll keep just keep doing what they're doing, and here we are over there arguing. But I do see them in their own disagreements between the two. Yeah. Uh, after it's over, and they realize that they've done wrong. I do see them doing some things that they see us do, and so I, I've thought about that a lot in my mind because mom and dad didn't fuss or fight in front of us much that I remember. Do you? Oh. And I mean, not I don't know if it would have been better or worse because they didn't do it. But I've thought about that a lot. Is it better to just let them see it, or is it not? And so it's that's right. an interesting conversation. Well, see, I don't know how I don't know how to um, engage com- engage emotional conflict. When I was in the SEAL teams, it, I was going so hard. I I had I had to I developed this personal trait, uh, this characteristic where if there was any emotional conflict outside the parameters of the mission, whatever it was I was doing, whether it was training or deployment or whatever, if it didn't have to do with the team and the mission, I would just completely ignore it. Mm. Um, 
so that's that's usually my default uh, when emotional challenge presents itself in my life uh, in relationship is I just I just ignore it right and I just focus on whatever the mission is and it causes a lot of problems. I want to challenge I'm challenging myself right now to meet these emotional challenges in relationship head on. That requires you to be honest. Yeah. That requ- that requires hard conversation, um, and it requires tension. It's going to cause tension, and if people aren't going to like you because of yeah, how you feel. If and there's think. if there is one thing that I'm working on right now, it's reprogramming me, like myself, to be more healthy in that arena. I'm good at a lot of things. I'm good at doing things that seem hard to other people. Hard in life is relative. It is so relative. Uh, it's like you can't even define it. it. That's another thing that amazes me. Um, that's something that we all need to grasp. Christy, you said something a minute ago. You said, you know, we have made the conscious decision to take divorce off the table. And that is, I I have to say, we talked about strong foundations a little bit ago. That is the foundation of everything. Uh, And I loved how you were honest about the fact that that scenario, even if you've taken it off the table and you know it's not an option and it's it's just not going to happen, that the option will still play out in your mind. (laughs) Okay, it will, and you have to, you have to counterpunch that man. Like, don't think just because you decide it's not an option that it's not going to sneak into your self-talk right it's gonna do it i love that you were honest about that i remember right before we got married like no one gave marriage advice it was just like i'm so happy you're getting married and we were engaged and we were married 12 weeks later because that was just what worked with darren's police schedule at the time or we had to wait a year or something to get married but so right before a man came up and said i've got some marriage advice for you like all right here it comes (laughs) he goes there will come a time where you're gonna wish he gets hit by a train pardon? (laughs) I remember the exact intersection I was at when I sat praying that my wife would get hit by a train. It's going to come for you too. And that was it. Wow. (laughs) That was at that golf tournament, right? Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, all right. No, it won't. (laughs) Yeah. And then a month later, I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes, it's here. Yeah. Gosh, man. I love that. I love the honesty of that, man. Because um, because that's real. Like, that's real talk. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like with anything else. I mean, it's you just said you're taking quitting off the table, and we talk about it all the time, but that's how it plays out in marriage, right? And we talk all the time how it plays out in races and physical things, but in actual relationships, that's how it plays out. And even in other relationships and friendships that matter, when things come up, that are an issue, you can decide, well, we're going to let this ruin our friendship. Now we're, we're no longer going to be friends because this thing has happened and 
I don't trust you anymore, or whatever the case is. Or you can say, well, th- yeah, this is a problem. It hurts and it sucks, but we're good friends, and we're just going to go through it. You know, I mean, and and so it can, I mean, it can spread through anything. But it's a perfect example of of God's love for us, right? And and when you have kids, you can really feel that. You you can say there is literally nothing that you child could do to where I wouldn't love you anymore. Nothing. It, you, you could come and cut one of my arms off, and there's something in me that would still love you. And so th- those, Chad always says, blessings to all that have ki- blessings kids. Blessings to all who have children. <laughs> <laughs> but as hard as it is, the things that you get from them are so worthwhile. And when there are things Chad will never know and never understand if he doesn't have kids. And if he doesn't, that's fine. But he will not understand things on the level that I understand things oh, in certain ways. I did not know I was a sinner until I had children. <laughs> yeah. like, that showed me how sinful I was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Y'all, y'all recognize the fact that I didn't ask any questions about having kids, right? All those questions came from Blake. We have a lot of people that have kids that listen to the podcast, and they don't ever get any advice on it because... Hey. Chad doesn't want to talk about it, so I'm capitalizing on the opportunity of two awesome parents that I have here. We have had some wins. Like, parenting, yeah, for sure is hard, but we've had some wins. We sat down for, like, a family meeting one night, and we just said, what are some words that that we want to live out as a family? And so the kids just shouted stuff out, and we wrote them down on a board, and then we put them into sentence form, so I could call the kids in for you. But we've got, like, this family mission statement that they can say for you, and we try and say it on a regular basis of words that we're going to live by. And then we have a family verse. Um let everything you do be done in love. And so we call that out, you know, when they're fighting or bickering over something, it's just like, what what are we living by? Mm-hmm. It's just like, let everything you do be done in love. First Corinthians 16. So, um, so that is there. And then we say all the time, you can do hard things. You know, that's just kind of like a, a thing we claim too. Oh, you can do hard things. I don't want to, but you can do hard things, Yeah. you know? And it's just saying that over and over. And, you know, Darren, the kids have seen Darren run for ages and um and we were talking about you know 15 years of you know the hard work before you see a result i think that's the same way way with parenting too like we might not see them resolve their conflicts the way we would want to but i think over time as they see us do it they will start to emulate that as well um and part of that's with i mean from your background chad it's the repetition right it's it's words have power and also, if you want to get good at something, you do it over and over again. So if we repeat these things over and over and over again, these these few little phrases, these few verses, if we continually are giving that to them, that just becomes ingrained in their mind. Mm-hmm. So when they're doing something that's hard and they don't want to do it anymore, like, like what pop what will pop into their head? Like, I can't do it because because that's what's been taught to me or no, no, I can do hard things like that will that will replay in their head because it doesn't yeah. mind because I say it enough that when I'm on a run and I'm like, <sighs> yeah. But I know I can do it. It's just, it pushes me. Yeah. So now now our kids are running, you know, they've seen them do it. And so now they're running themselves. And Avery, our middle has this goal. She's going to run for 30 days in a row a mile. And last night, halfway through the mile, because Darren had to to head out last night to a meeting and, um, what was it like eight thirty at night? She's like, I have to run my mile. So halfway through, she's like, Oh, I'm done. I'm done. I want to quit. You can do hard things. So then she picks up and keeps going again. So Man. you will see that over time. So it's just being consistent in that mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old was your youngest before you guys started like getting the like the mission statement and and things like that? I think we had the mission before 
our youngest was born. So she's five. Oh, okay. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was before she was born. So. Yeah. So she's been born into and brought up in. Nice. The, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, um, enough of this kid talk, man. Uh, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I just want to make a comment because we're Didn't t- win him over. We're, That's how <laughs> I feel when he talks about running. I'm like, enough of this running talk, man. Let's talk about it. We're, we're, we're talking about, uh, that, that positive affirmation. I can do hard things. I love that. I want to go back and just expound real quick or, uh, expound on the concept that or the reality that hard is relative. I want to tell you guys listening in buds, basic underwater demolition, demolition seal training, the thought of quitting the thought of divorce never once crept its way into my mind on any race I've ever run. The thought of stopping has never once crept into my mind. So those are the things that people see as hard. All right? I can relate to Christy because in marriage, the thought of quitting has crept into my mind many times. All right? In business, the thought of quitting look, it creeps into my mind. Like I, I've thought many days, why don't I just get a job at that park right there across the road where you were baptized just with a little stick picking up trash every day, you know, it's like, um, that's the reality of it. Right. So there you go. There's a, a tangible uh, story or representation that what is hard is relative. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to point that out and you know what, man, is it not so refreshing to talk about things that matter? Yeah. Amen. You know, it's so refreshing to sit down and have a conversation that is rooted in the foundation of Christ and faith and life. But it's also real. Oh, man. You know, it's not that topical thing that, Christy, you were talking about, you know, going to church in that topical Mm -hmm. conversation. This is real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This has just refreshed me. I just, I've, I've been wanting to get back to conversations like this, but I just get so distracted about what's going on around me. I get so distracted and I, these are the conversations that people need to be listening to Mm -hmm. that we need to be having amongst ourselves. I don't care if anybody listens to this. It's a good conversation for me personally. Um, I want to hear just real quick, like moving forward. I know you mentioned some businesses, some things like what is what's 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 that all about? Professionally, what are you what are you looking at? What are you striving for? And uh, yeah, so we have this house flipping business that we're not sure where that's gonna go. So we're 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 renovating this house, having it renovated. Yeah, to sell it. Um, is the idea. Uh. I'm a, I like, I mean, I'll just talk to anyone. So I'm a connector of of people, I like to say. And so I got just the most chance meetings of the most amazing individuals. So last night we had a meeting about, um, actually next week we're in, we're getting, I don't know what the U, all the U S terms are, but we're starting to, it's a fermented beverage company. So there's about eight of us that have gotten together that all have different skills. And, uh, 
yeah, we're looking at launching a fermented beverage company like kombucha and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then beyond that, we dude, like to, I love we, kombucha. Well, we're having a, we're having a, in a month in, in near Columbia is the first little tasting. Hey. Have, have I assume you've made kombucha before. Yeah. It is the ugliest. Yeah. That oh. freaking thing. What it took me a while called? to eat the floaties, the scoby. The scoby. Oh yeah. That thing looks like an alien. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Super healthy. So you guys know how to do that, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, and so that's what I, we know how to, I know how to do it, but there's a guy, he's called the fermented farmer who like, he ferments everything. And, uh, and he's got these awesome kombucha recipes. So that's his, Heck that's yeah. his role. Health is really important to us and we're seeing yeah. that more and more. So, and so we're also looking at like, you know, doing some farming maybe. We, that's kind of an interest of ours. Okay. The important thing for us is being with people. You know, mm. we, we want to be farmers-ish. You know, I don't know if the, the times are going to call for us to have mm-hmm. our own stuff. So so that's in our mind, too, to provide for our family and our kids. But being with people, we don't want to be farmers where we're away from people, mm-hmm. where we're forced to be away from people because we're so busy with our cows and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, so... I, that's the thing we we don't know we don't know we didn't know we would be here we didn't know we'd be in the states this long we didn't know you know eight months ago that we wouldn't be in canada anymore and thinking about never going back until mm-hmm. things change um so i don't know I, again it's just like a day at a time being faithful what's put before us so yeah so all of our plans are super loose like we have these ideas are you hiring but if <laughs> but if if in if in a month or two the u.s says like no your application is denied then we actually we physically have to leave the u.s so then we got to decide what we're doing we so might have a place you can hide i've I I've, I've had a couple offers, <laughs> had a couple offers. so uh, where's this tasting going down at for listeners oh it's actually it um ours is private it's a private thing yeah so okay. but in like uh i think the goal is in like 60 60 to 90 days to actually launch a product okay so we'll keep you posted Awesome. Yes, please do. I drink kombucha every day. And it's, you know, an alcoholic probably spends less money on their beverages <laughs> than I spend on kombucha per week. Mm. It's the truth. That stuff is expensive, I just man. found out yesterday, Whole Foods, top seven uh, sales last year, top seven products, seven different flavors of GT's kombucha. No Gosh. kidding, man. That was their, yeah. Wow. Ours is going to be healthier, though. I can't wait to try it. I mean, I'm being serious oh, right yeah. now. It's a big part of our it's yeah. a big part of our diet and our, our lifestyle. Yeah, fermented yeah. foods is legit. So that's really cool. Um where can listeners or is there a place listeners can find you guys and follow you guys on your journey and figure yeah. figure out what happens? They can I mean <laughs> we don't really do much of that. <laughs> We were like on Instagram and then it was a season off of Instagram, but our Instagram is be happy dot do good. There's that verse from Ecclesiastes again. So that's us on Insta and uh, I don't have Facebook, Darren Jansen on Darren's Facebook, but I had to back off a little bit. There's just so much negativity on there. It's hard. Yes. Hard world there. Yes. Instagram can be a complete garbage can, Mm -hmm. but it can also be used in a in a very positive way yeah. i've seen both sides of it yeah i have to agree with you on that yeah um 
But yeah, well, I'm, I'm probably like you. Like, I'll just be like the rabbit trail of, ooh, and this is going on, and who said what. and You can get sucked in. Oh, oh yeah, especially when you go give a speech at a conservative <laughs> rally. <laughs> that was killer, by the way. That oh, was amazing. Thank you. Good for you. Yeah. I did love hearing, but the, one of your, I mean, on the, I think it was, must have been a podcast after when you said, like, when you care about something, when you, like, you should stand up and like, be passionate about it. Like, that's something I think we're missing in this. It's everyone's so compliant complete whatever you want i don't even those aren't even the right words but like we're missing passion yeah like to to give a to give a rip about something and to be to give enough to care enough to stand up and talk about it yeah we're also missing I love that. fun fun yeah. why don't people have fun anymore i like, agree with that i mean that's why we like this podcast too because you guys laugh i mean you we've guys got a unique together. style yeah and it's good people just don't laugh anymore Where's yeah the joy so that's what we want to bring back too you know, you talk about passion, Darren. If you if you look at any successful person that's that has ever existed, um, they are passionate. That's one thing they're not lacking. Now, even people that use their success for the to to execute the worst things in you, who's one of the most passionate people you you've ever seen in history? Hitler. Uh, he he Should, I tell you? Should I tell you? That's who our prime minister is quoting right now. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a passionate... Passion is a powerful force. It's a dangerous... It's a dangerous force to wield. Um, so when you start getting passionate about something in life... Make sure you're wielding that passion in the right direction because it will gain energy whichever way you take it, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's ever accused me of not being passionate. I have a lot of passion, uh, and I've never really thought about it. That can, that can be very dangerous if it's not wielded in the right direction. Look at um, one guy I saw the other day on passion. You guys, have you guys ever heard of the crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin? Oh, yeah. He was... He loved the, it. The reason he was so successful, the reason we all know his name, he never gave a single interview where you could not see his passion shining through uh, for, what he, for what his life's work was. That was the single ingredient mm -hmm. that made him the standard... In, uh, in the entire world of all time, right. it was his passion. So important. I'm glad you brought that up, man. That's really cool. Blake, you got anything else? No, this was great. This was, I, I feel like a dried up sponge and I've just <laughs> absorbed a bunch of stuff from y'all. So thanks for, thanks for giving me the honor to baptize yeah, you, Darren, you. And, and including me in that journey of yours and for taking the time, the extra time to come sit and share That's with us fun. and for everybody else that listens to the podcast it was it was an honor absolutely for us too. i, I want to leave you guys with some scripture here since we've prayed we've talked about faith this is what i read this morning um and we'll start in verse 9 matthew chapter 24 i've read matthew chapter 24 a thousand times um this is jesus speaking he says then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then many shall be offended 
and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I want to remind you guys to be on guard and intentionally do things in life that are protecting and preserving and nourishing the love that you have in your heart, right? Because a lot of people are in danger of that love growing cold, right? And the last thing I want to share with you, this really hit me between the eyes this morning. Uh, later on in chapter 24, chapter 24 is all about Jesus. The disciples approached Jesus and said, "When will? Uh, what is the sign of your coming and of the end of this age, right? And in verse 25, Jesus, he's told us all these things, what he just described to us right here, right? Um, what I just read about the love of many growing cold and, and, and this and that. In verse 25, Jesus says, Behold, I have told you before. Jesus is, Jesus is talking to us, saying, Look, pay attention, all right? Because I'm telling you this. I, I've, I've told you what's going to happen. Behold, guys, I've told you this. So you're going to be held responsible. I've told you this. And that just hit me smack between the eyes. Jesus is not leaving us with any, any excuse. He's saying, I told you this thousands of years ahead of time. Yep. So right. you are responsible for how you act in the current, in, in, with your life, what you do with your life. And he didn't leave us with any outs. I don't know. It hit me between the eyes, man. That's all I got. I love you guys. We'll be seeing you again soon. I believe that. Enough said.